Hello, and thank you for joining us again on Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism, the Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Denny. And this week we are discussing episode five of season four, The Fundamental Things Apply. But first... Yes? But first, um, Eleni wanted to talk to us a little bit about her new reality television obsession. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, I had a full day today. <laughs> first... I went to go get COVID tested because I, oh, yes. I have a little tickle in my throat. Probably nothing because I've also been vaccinated, but I wanted to be safe. So that was number one. Then I came home and I was like, you know what's going to cure COVID other than essential oils? <laughs> cookies. So I made cookies. There you go. And then what did I do, Jeffrey? Uh, you watched Paternity Court? I watched Paternity Court. So please tell us, what is paternity court? Paternity court is exactly what it says. (laughs) People bring each other to court to test the paternity of their children. And let me just say, there is not one episode where you don't walk away feeling so many emotions. (laughs) Like you feel, you just go on a roller coaster of emotions. I don't even know how to describe it to you. Honestly, when I said this to you when you first texted me all about Paternity Court, um, since you're a huge Judge Judy fan, it doesn't, I'm not at all surprised that that you love this show. Okay, well, first of all, Judge Judy is very different than Paternity Court. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Please. (laughs) But no, for real, Judge Judy is a little bit more serious than uh, Paternity Court because Paternity Court, she just lets them run wild. Okay. I literally heard somebody say the other day on Paternity Court, her pussy is a revolving door. <laughs> Where would you be able to say that in any courtroom? <laughs> mm, I don't think Judge Judy would tolerate that. Hell no. But yeah. Um, so paternity court is just um, a wonder. A wonder. A wonder. So basically, um, no two cases are alike. <laughs> and yet they are so much alike. Interesting. Um, the kinds of pieces of evidence that are brought out in this courtroom chills every time i'm telling you (laughs) they bring out a calendar where they've highlighted a week and they're like sex every day (laughs) (laughs) and this is apparently evidence (laughs) oh um i mean you sent me screenshots i'm just like what the hell are you watching (laughs) yeah also, there's just there's always a moment in every episode and every case where you're like, that has to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Until you get to the next episode and you're like, nope, wrong. That was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so, so the other like, day, for example, this guy was like denying the paternity of the, the kid. And he was like, well, she's not a twin. And I only have twins in my family. Oh, OK. Only and, twins. Yeah. And the judge is like, you understand that that's not how biology works. And he's <laughs> like no no judge I'm serious because everybody in my house has everybody in my family has twins but it but it also always skips a generation but my sister didn't have twins so I have to logically be the one that has twins oh okay because that makes sense has nothing to do with a male anatomy by the way just FYI does it, wait, don't twins come from usually come when no the mother's side or the, the father's side in terms of genes uh, usually the mother's side because it, it all has to do with the mother. Right. So okay. Either her eggs, either the embryo splits, the egg splits. Mm-hmm. So those are identical. 
or two different sperms uh, fertilize two different eggs. Okay. And some women are more likely to expel, yo, gross word, two <laughs> eggs when they ovulate. So it has nothing to do with your tiny penis, sir. <laughs> So it's, it's like, it's just, did you say it's like escapist entertainment then? Yeah, obviously. I'm not watching this for the, like, education that I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, I, I, um, it's ridiculous, but so good. Which I think so. we all need a little bit of right now. So if you're looking for, um, some kind of reality television escape, please pursue, uh, paternity court. And by the way, they're all on YouTube. <laughs> I even asked you, I'm like, is this a YouTube show? Like, is this actually on television? Yeah, it's like, actually on television, but it's also, like, all on YouTube. Cause I guess it's, so it's, it's, like, one of those syndicated court courtroom daytime shows? I don't know what the fuck it is. All I know is it causes entertainment for me. <laughs> Thank you very much. And hopefully for all of you, if you want to, you know, lose some brain cells on any given day. Oh, 100% stupider when I, after I watch Paternity Court. <laughs> 100%. You know, I feel like we need that sometimes, especially, you know, in our current, uh, our current, I was going to say our current landscape, our current reality. Uh, I think we need that. We really do. I'm just like, I think it's the same reason people watch shit like Housewives, The Real Housewives. Mm -hmm. That's why I watch The Real Housewives. Did you know? What? Um, did you know that um, the Real Housewives franchise was unofficially adapted as a reality TV version of Desperate Housewives? I mean, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, the creator of the I don't quote me on this, but I think I think the creator of the Real Housewives franchise uh, once credited the inspiration from Desperate Housewives. It does not surprise me. <laughs> I think the reason we're all kind of attracted to re- trash reality television is for that reason. Like our lives are trash enough. Yeah. And we just want to, like, watch people bitch about the stupidest thing. That's and certainly why we watch Drag Race. I mean, <laughs> there's a certain art and, you know, um, dedication that goes into Drag Race. So I wouldn't put it on the same level as things like reality, um, things like Housewives or Paternity Court or even Judge Judy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but no, it's the same. I feel like. A lot of reality television falls into the same bucket Mm -hmm. of just escapism, like you said. Um, That being said, if you want to talk about Drag Race, I can talk about that all day because I'm still fucking upset that Candy Muse is still on this damn show. Anyway, that's our next podcast. Ooh, I hate you. (laughs) So shall we dive right into episode five of season four? Can I ask you something about episode five? I have a lot of questions for you written down in my notes today, so... Oh, for me, okay. Yes. Um, I want to know where the fucking title comes from. I don't know. As you know, I'm not very, uh, you know, in in tune with the titles, so... Yeah, you're awful with titles. <laughs> which is really weird, because I have such a... It's I feel like it's either one or the other, I've, I've said this before. I think it's with sitcoms, I remember episode titles more than with uh, hour-long dramas. Um, but I don't know what the fundamental things apply. Maybe like some kind. Maybe with Rory's date, like the dating things, the dating rules things. I don't know. That's my only guess. Okay. Unless, no- we're, unless we're just sitting here being dumb again, like when we were trying to when we were trying to figure out where the the episode title of the dance marathon episode came from, and like neither of us, neither neither two self-proclaimed pop culture enthusiasts knew that it came from a very famous movie title. Yeah, that was just. 
brain fart all around on our part. Yeah, I'm still embarrassed about that. So I'm never going to forget that. It still haunts me in my sleep, just so everyone knows. Yeah, no, we got a lot of emails from people who are like, oh, actually, it comes from this. It's actually really Googleable. <laughs> yeah, and um, like, it's funny how none of them were bitter or mean. It's like, oh, hey, guys, this is actually where it comes from. I'm like, great, thanks. I feel fucking stupid. Thank you. Well, yeah, so that's the thing. I was going to say, everyone emailing us or messaging us, telling us here's where it's from, it's like, you could have found this out so easily by just Googling this. Yeah, we don't do, we, clearly we only, we only do research when we feel like it. So. Oh my god, I was like, are you the stupidest little boy in town? But anyways. Um, but yeah, no, so what I was going to say with that is that I actually tried while watching the episode to figure out where it came from because I was haunted so much by the Dance Marathon episode. Yeah. Um, And I still don't know. And how dumb am I going to feel if somebody slides into the DMs again and says, oh, actually, it's just this. Well, please do. If, if, it's, oh, right in front of our, if it's right in front of our face and we don't know, we can't see it, please enlighten us because we're fucking dumb. Please do. I need it badly. Um, sometimes you need to feel like an idiot. I don't know what to say. But, yeah, I just didn't know where, where it came from. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know because normally the – I find the writers are really good with the, the episode titles. Mm-hmm. And you can usually understand where they're coming from. This time, no fucking clue. So would you say every episode in the series that we've analyzed so far, you've more or less deduced where the episode title comes from, except for now, until now? Um, Yeah, probably. Interesting. Or if I didn't immediately get it, as we were analyzing, it was becoming more and more clear to me. But... I don't know. This is just a weird one for me. It seems we've reached an impasse with the episode titles, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, but then it just makes it harder for me to come up with an episode title, goddammit. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I give you so many options, you take none of them. Very rarely. They're fucking terrible suggestions, okay? Um, well, actually, (laughs) I think my all-time favorite, if we're going to talk our episode titles, um, it would have to be California Expansion. Okay, well... Yeah, that just came out of your mouth out of nowhere. <laughs> I still don't know what I was saying. What does C-SPAN stand for, Jeffrey? California Spansion. My God. <laughs> oh. We've had, some, we've we've had some, some real fun times here, haven't we, everyone? <laughs> like mouth piss tea? <laughs> I'm still hearing mouth, mouth piss tea. What the hell is that? Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, so don't know where the episode title comes from, um, but we're going to push through it. First scene is Lorelai gardening. And I have a question about that. Oh, tell me right off the bat. Again, I think the theme here is we're just stupid today. But what the hell is a bulb and what grows from it? Stop it. You don't know what a bulb is? I don't think I do. But why? Maybe if you tell me, I'll I'll clue in. But no, what's a bulb? No. Okay, hold on. I have questions for you now. <laughs> what do you think she's planting then? Like some kind of plant? Because like Babette says, you'll see colors eventually grow. I'm like, okay. okay what, the so, a, what the hell's a bulb? Okay, I'm not a planter. I'm not an outdoorsy person. Okay, I don't go camping. Camping is a big no-no for me. Outdoors is the enemy. I am an indoor creature. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> bulbs are what annual flowers grow out of 
Yeah, I was, t- I was today years old when I learned that. So, like, you know how tulips grow every year? Mm-hmm. It's because they grow from a bulb. Interesting. That's in the soil. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, they're, they're really, uh, yeah, they're for annual, well, they could, they're not only for flowers, they're for some plants too, I'm pretty sure. Now I could be the one talking out of my ass, who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, they're meant to be, uh, things that you grow, things that you plant and that grow every year. Okay, so it makes absolutely no sense that Lorelai is just planting them in the middle of the grass and not, like, in the actual garden. Well, to be fair, I don't think Lorelai has a garden. <laughs> no, she's she just has, like, like a... I'm going to dig a hole right here so my bet can shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> just, like, she has, like, just some hedges or some bushes around her porch, but that's about it. Not really any... Let's be honest, the Gilmore Girls are not meant to grow things. Neither am I. So, you know what, we're on the same page. And I'm going to say that maybe even Lorelai didn't know what a bulb was until Babette brought one over. Maybe, but all right. <laughs> so she's planting bulbs. Um, and they were given to her by Babette because Babette is worried that she's now very lonely that Rory's away. Mm-hmm. And she thinks magically flowers will make her feel better. I mean, her heart's in the right place. but Yeah, you, so I, her heart's in the right place. And I kind of love the way the town is really worried about Lorelai. Mm-hmm. But do you know Lorelai? Clearly not. <laughs> like, just buy her a pizza. She'll be fine. Yeah. So that was a little weird for me. Also, I don't know if I was just in a really weird headspace when I was watching this episode. But the whole, like, maybe you'll relate to this more. But the whole girly, I hate nature, I'm going to scream when something touches me is so annoying. I was going to say, that's not you at all. <laughs> that's really not me, number one. But also, I kind of hate that stereotype. Yeah, I don't like, I don't love it either. I mean. And don't get me wrong, I know that there are people that are actually like that. Yeah. But that stereotype that, I don't know, maybe I'm just being extra sensitive because we see it all the time in television shows or movies where girls are like, don't touch me. I don't like the outdoors. Ew, gross, spider, ow. Like, honestly, honestly, what pisses me off more than, uh, on, getting dirty I don't think is as, as triggering for me is when, People just like have panic attacks at the sight of a single wasp or bee. That to oh me is just. Oh my god, just... that also is very hilarious to me. But it's like, I've, it, like it was one thing when you know you're in elementary school and girls scream and freak out, or even boys too. I mean, the same thing. I've seen, I've seen it both ways. Yeah. Um, for sure. When people, when people freak out over a bee or a wasp or a whatever, something with a, something that can sting you. Something, yeah, something with. Um, it's like. Your children, okay, whatever. Children freak out for no for no reason sometimes. Oh, I've also seen like grown ass adults freak out over bees. I'm well, like, are you, are you allergic? Are you gonna die if it touches you? No, okay, then shut the fuck up. Okay, well I have a story. <laughs> since you said that, so um, I'm not generally now afraid of bees or wasps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like their purpose is not to sting you, right? So fuck off. Also, I think people forget that we're in their house when we go outside. Yeah, and also bees die if they sting you, so. But I mean, like, nature is their house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you're like, the don't one, piss them off. Yeah, you're the one trespassing, technically. <laughs> um, but I'm not afraid of uh, bees or wasps or whatever. Um, my brother is deadly afraid of bugs, by the way. Oh, okay. My See, it's, not, it's, not just a, it's not just a girl stereotype, then. No, but I mean, my brother won't scream or whatever. But he, so you know that stereotype where we, where women usually call men to kill spiders? Yeah. So it's the opposite in my house. 
<laughs> Growing up, my brother used to call me to kill spiders. Okay, I like that. Or free them or whatever. Uh, back to the story. When I was three years old, I was in the garden and I was watering the plants and playing at a friend's house. And my mom's, um, I only know the word in Greek, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> um, like my mom's best man and best and maid of honor. House. Okay. Okay, but there's a specific term in Greek that I'm not going to say. But anyways, <laughs> um, anyways, so I was frolicking about in the garden, minding my own business, watering the plants, and a bee stung me in my eye. Oh, like a, in your eyeball or your eyelid? No, no, in my eye. Okay. And then because of the shock of it, I'm told, like, I I blinked, like, very hard. Mm-hmm. And then his stinger got stuck in my eye. Oh, so then they had to take me to the emergency room, obviously. Jeez. Um, and they had to, like, remove the stinger, and I was swollen for a very long time and whatever. So even after all that, you guys, I'm not scared of bees. That's interesting. That's a very, inter- that's a very interesting story. Because I figure if you fear the bee, it'll fear you. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. If you respect the bee, it'll leave you alone. Pretty much. But I still remember that day. I think that's maybe my earliest memory. <laughs> I was asking if, if it was like on the eyeball or in like actually in the eye or on the eyelid because I was stung by a wasp on my eyelid and my Ooh. cheek. Um, yeah. Once I think I was in grade four or five, I was playing outside with my neighborhood friends and one of them decided to jump on a seemingly deserted uh, wasp nest. Not so deserted. Oh, no. Um, so they attacked us. Uh, most people got stung, like, on the arms and the legs. I got stung on my eyelid and on my cheek. Sure, sure. Why not? That, and I was, it was pretty traumatizing. I, like, ran home with with my eyes closed. So I think it proved that I know my, I knew my, I know my neighborhood so well I could run home with my eyes closed. Yeah. Um, even after all that, I, I still don't freak out when I see wasp or a bee. So, like, unless you have, unless you're allergic to them and it's, like, could be deadly or anything if you're again I don't mean to offend but if you're a grown-ass person grown-ass adult and you freak out like a child when you see a wasp or a bee or something that can sting you grow the fuck up okay thanks like like I don't I don't want to bring it back to drag race but there was a very important scene in drag race in untucked mm-hmm. where candy got Mick and Tina Burner mm-hmm. went outside after a particular argument and they started freaking out because they saw a bee Ladies, grow up. <laughs> yes, please. Just that's so. Tr- I'm so triggered when I see that. I'm like, if I can survive being stung in the eyelid on the cheek, and you can survive being stung in the eyeball on your eye. In the eyeball, then, everyone. <laughs> then you're fine. Yeah. So whatever. That was just really annoying to me. This whole like, oh my god, it touched me. It grazed my arm. You're not gonna die. <laughs> Relax. You're right, though. It is a bit of a stereotype, but I think in, I think it works in this case because um, it's clear that Lorelai and Rory are in, are an indoorsy folk. No, for sure. I think it definitely works. From everything we've seen of four seasons of Gilmore Girls, we know that they're definitely not outdoors people, mm-hmm. and they prefer their comforts of the inside. And yes. I think it's just, I think it's meant to highlight the fact that what a shitty gift Yeah. that she was forced to plant, even though it grew mold. Yeah. And it, but the whole thing is the whole thing like you said her heart is in the right place Babette and I kind of like um you know piggybacking off of what Kirk did last time with the security system oh yes I 
I like that the whole town is kind of looking out for her now because they know her best friend. Her best friend, I said. Her <laughs> best friend, which is also her daughter, is gone, right? Yeah. Anyways. It's cute. Um, it is cute. Like you said, they mean well. Um, okay, so then fast forward to uh, we see Rory at Gale um, eating breakfast, going to classes, having discussions. And the thing that was really funny to me in this episode is, try as she might, Paris is not a zen person. Yeah, that's what I was like. As soon as you see her in the first episode of season four, you think, oh, wow, this is, is this a new improved Paris Geller? No. Nope. I literally wrote in my notes, Paris, back to her old ways. Yeah, it's like the old Paris would have thought your need to whatever is annoying. Uh, the old Paris is back. She's back, bitch. No, she's back, and thank God it didn't last long, because I think I would have been more bored with um, La Dida, Let's Hold Hands Paris. Yeah, like emotionally stable Paris is not is not the good Paris. Because I think I think we can all relate to emotionally unstable Paris. That's the thing, like that's that's what makes that what uh, words. Um, <laughs> emotionally unstable Paris is like the most relatable form of Paris and is also just I think that's the one that resonates the most with the rest of the cast if that makes sense yeah because I feel like even as viewers when we watch Paris have like these meltdowns and breakdowns and yelling at people Mm -hmm. we're like oh Paris I'm glad she does it because it makes me feel better about the fact that even though I should do it I can't do it exactly like you can't behave like that in public but it's nice to see somebody else even if they're fictional, behaving like that in public. Yes, we live vicariously through her. Exactly. So um, I'm kind of glad that that is gone. Although we see glimpses of it here and there, um, again, with her life coach coming in and out of her life. (laughs) Um, But those are also just really funny moments. But I'm glad that she's back to, like, not giving a fuck, um, yelling at her roommates. And um, that whole scene with the roommate meeting... (laughs) So I have a question for you. Whose side are you on? Um, that's... Are you team Janet or team Paris? So just to lay out the parameters, Paris's complaint is that Janet puts her alarm for 5.30 in the morning and works out. Mm-hmm. And Janet's complaint is that Paris's craft corner smells <laughs> and that Paris has no right to tell anyone else how to live their lives. Yeah, so I'm not going to have a very interesting response. I'm going to say I'm kind of in the middle. Um, Obviously, I can relate to Paris being a highly strong, anxious, uptight person. Um, So if I'm being awoken every single day by someone else and their incessant need to talk to themselves while they exercise, Mm -hmm. um, that would not stand. That's also a reason why I could never... As I said, live in a dorm. One of the many, many reasons. Yeah. Um, but also, I think it's just that that's just Janet's way of going after something that Paris enjoys, is comparing it to her craft to her craft corner. And this episode does contain my all-time favorite Paris quote, which is, "No, that's my emotional homework." Yeah. As I've referenced many other times, so I'd have to say that I totally see where Paris is coming from, but at the same time. Janet's early morning exercising doesn't seem to wake or bother Tana or Rory. So I have to wonder if it's just Paris being highly strong. Yeah, so that's the thing. I'm I'm, kind of team Janet on this one. Mm -hmm. 
Because I think the reason Janet brings up the craft corner to begin with is because she's like, listen, we all have to live together. And just like your craft corner is your thing. I have an athletic scholarship, so I have to work out. Yeah. You know, so this is me living, you know. I think it was her way of just saying, like, this is what happens when you live with other people. Mm-hmm. So, like, we all have to be a little bit more accommodating, right? Um, I, th- I think maybe the solution would be that could Janet maybe exercise a little more, a little quiet, more quietly. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, like, get it, Janet. You got this, Janet. I think that's a little bit unnecessary. <laughs> and, like, if you want to exercise loudly, like, it seems kind of selfish to just do it when you have three other people asleep. Like, if you, we're not saying don't exercise, but, like, if that's the only way you can exercise, maybe take it outside of the dorm. That's true. It also kind of makes me wonder, though, women walking alone at night or in the dark. I was, yeah, I was going to say 5.30 in the... Okay, yeah, but... In the dark, I should say. <laughs> but that's no, I, whole think, I think the solution is just, Janet, be quiet. I think, like Rory said, Paris, put earplugs in. Yeah, like earplugs. <laughs> like, it doesn't bother Rory because she's still sleeping, and it doesn't bother Tana because... Well, to be fair, Tana... Tana, Tana? What the fuck is her name? Tana. Tana doesn't uh, seem to be bothered by anything. Yeah, Tana doesn't know she's at Yale. <laughs> um, I feel like you could shove Tana in a closet and she'd be fine. Yeah. Like, and just feed her, like, a mouse with some cheese through the, cra- like, cracks. Honestly, you know who Tana reminds me of a little bit? And if uh, if anyone in the audience is familiar with this, she reminds me a bit of Sandra. <laughs> she reminds me a bit of Sandra from Superstore, who's just, like, the biggest pushover. And, like, you can insult oh her. God. She'd be like, okay, thank you. Or, like, you can, you can convince Sandra to do anything, even if it's against her own best interest and it's like so aggravating sometimes but she she's also so sweet in other instance instances so Tana kind of reminds me of that at this at this stage yeah so I actually want to talk a little bit about Tana (laughs) because in this episode we see her um so like Rory's Rory's asking her how she looks before her date and she's kind of doodling she's in her own head and then even during the the roommate meeting, she's just like, oh, this is intense. Like, she's not really present, but she's kind of watching like it's a sporting event. She's also 16 years old. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think we forget um, because we're at Yale, like because it's a set, it's a college setting. Mm-hmm. We forget that she's 16 and she's so young. Yeah. And, you know, for her, I don't know. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but maybe for her, she's like, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. because it's, she is 16 right everyone here is 18 19 and she's like I'm living on my own for the first time I'm not going to say anything Pro- part of me also thinks she's probably just afraid of Paris yeah I think she's I think it's a mixture of all those things she's out of it she's too young uh Paris is scary all she the lives in her head yeah yeah so I was just I was thinking about it this episode um and I'm like poor Tana like she gets dragged into this shit and you know, she gets made fun of for having her head in the clouds. <laughs> but I'm like, you guys kind of forget that she's 16. Tana, where did this furniture come from? I don't know. It must have been here when I got back. Oh, my God. Uh. Open your eyes, Tana, you poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, I don't know. I, um, you know, after season four, we don't see Tana anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that was a missed opportunity. Or Janet. I think they're both only in season four, right? No, we see Janet. Oh, yeah, we do. You're a bad fan. Okay. Okay. You know, I'm not a huge fan of five, six, seven. 
Well, get your head out of your ass. More six, seven. You know, season six just gives me I was going to say, shit. you have no problems with five. Except for Dean. Well, okay. Let me. Mm, okay. Season, uh, five, season five, Dean is just. It, no. 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 Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to say no. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah, so poor Tana. Like, she just looks like. How the fuck did I get dragged into this roommate meeting? Yeah, she does. She's kind of. She's for sure just lost. A little bit. Poor Bubby. <laughs> but she's very cute. So I have um, a question. Another question yeah. for you. Um, did you have the balls to voice an opinion in your first year of college? Because I didn't. Uh, you mean in a seminar like Rory does? I mean, I didn't take seminars until like last year in university. So. Okay, so that's um, also something that I... Mm, ugh, ugh. Uh, <laughs> so I do have to admire Rory's confidence. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that she's so sure of herself and she's like, no, I know books. I can do this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whereas in my first year of college, I was still trying to like figure out which building was which. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, where the good bathrooms were. <laughs> um, but we were kind of for in all my history classes. They were big history classes. They were like 200 people. Mm-hmm. But we still had to take smaller group seminars and participation was part of our grade. So even though I didn't want to, I had to participate. Yeah. Um, like the bare minimum participation. I think like yes, you like raise your hand three times. <laughs> oh God. Um, but no, I never felt strongly enough about something to be like, um, no, excuse me, Hemingway did not mean that. No, I never it was never that. <laughs> <laughs> so like I can see it a bit from Rory's perspective. Uh, you know, having been an English major for the last five and a half years. Um, so I wouldn't see Mm. the thing was when I was in CJEP slash college, by the way, a lot of people in our DMs were confused about what CJEP is. Um, just, just Google it. Um, it's only a French, it's only a French Canadian thing. Just go with it. Yeah, it literally exists in only one place, the place we're in. And it's spelled C-E-J-E-P. No, C-E-G-E-P. (laughs) <laughs> I think we I think we did explain it long term uh, in at, at length like in season one or two of the podcast. Yeah, but if you want to look it up, feel free. <laughs> yeah, it's a French Canadian form of college. It's it's not fun anyway. Um, <laughs> so when I was in my first year of college slash CJEP, um, like similar to you, still finding. Still finding the right floors, the right rooms, where the hell my locker is, where's the good bathroom, all of that. Um, but in terms of voicing voicing an opinion in like English English courses, the teachers were pretty good at trying to bring us out of our shells because I feel like I feel like we were all kind of mousy introverts who yeah. they who they knew had an, an opinion but were not used to or comfortable. Uh, voicing it in a classroom setting mm-hmm. um, so there were a couple of, and this, this is probably my own personal anxiety too but there was a couple of times where like I felt confident enough to voice an opinion but it's like everybody before me would say something and everyone else would react and be like oh yeah I agree or oh like blah 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 and like it seemed that every time I would build up the courage to put out my hand and say something I'd get maybe a couple of nods or a couple of like satisfactory glances but never the never the reaction I was hoping for yeah so I would just not feel comfortable speaking up and it was probably my own thing too like who like looking back now I'm like who the fuck cares what the other people in the class think you know yeah that's what I was gonna say like I think 
you reach a certain point where you're just like, I don't give a shit anymore. But that point for me was never in my first year. <laughs> no, and I think I've, like when, when you're talking about participation grade, like, we still, we still have that in university, but now I'm like, uh, okay, participation over Zoom. Uh, I woke up at eight and I'm here, okay? You see my black screen, I don't care, bye-bye. Like, that's, that's all you're getting from me now. Whereas, like, five years ago in college, I'm like, okay, um, I need to be perfect or else I can't sleep at night. So I have yeah. to put 110% into everything that I do and then have a breakdown about it, you know. No, so. I get it. And I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think I ever fully became confident um, like, I don't think I ever fully reached that who gives a fuck stage until I got to grad school. Yeah. Um, because then it's really, truly who gives a fuck because we're all I, adults at that point. You're all adults and, like, you're you're there for you. and you Yeah, are- like, we chose to be there. I I literally said, I want to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I think it also has to do with the subject matter as well. I think I might have told this story before when we talked about um, in season two with the the movie night in stars hollow when they, when they were trying to pick a movie and we talked Mm -hmm. about what movie would we pick? Mm -hmm. Um, in my first year of CJEB, I took a cinema and culture course as one of my option classes. Right. Um, and see, that was like, that to me was supposed to be the the best, the best class of them all because I'd never really studied cinema or film in a, in a class before like we didn't have that in high school at all like that was I mean we did but it was like sci-fi and like I don't not a sci-fi person so it wasn't like that was like my first chance to study film and be immersed in it in a classroom setting shall Mm -hmm. we say so I went into it pretty open-minded and I feel like that was the case with me with every class where I'm like oh I'm you know okay it sounds maybe a little boring but I can we can make this work or it could be this or it couldn't turn out better and every single time, my spirits were just were just crushed every single yeah. time, uh, especially with that class, because it was just, I'm pretty sure I've told this story. It's like, picture every uh, wannabe, indie, artsy, downtown, hipster kid, and they come <laughs> into this cinema and culture class, like, okay, hey, your first year in CJEP, like, you're not fucking cool, looking back now, like, sit, calm down, sit, sit down. Um, but at the time, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so out of my league. Like, these people have are just so much more into cinema and culture than I am. Like, I have no, nothing of any substance to add to the conversation. And that's how I felt for most of it, because I remember when on the first day of class, the teacher asked us to, like, name a couple of our movies, our favorite movies. And, um, I mean, I have no shame in saying that my all-time favorite movie is Mary Poppins. So mm-hmm. even back then, I still, like, no shame. And I remember saying... When the, like the teacher was like looking at me only. She wasn't like looking at other people's reactions, obviously. But like she, right. like I said, oh, I have a like I have a wide range of favorite movies from different genres. She's like, oh, okay, film buff, whatever, blah blah blah. She was like into my into my response. Whereas like as soon as I said my all time favorite was Mary Poppins, everyone was like, oh, that's cute. Like okay, I'm just not gonna ever speak ever again. Thanks. Yeah. So <laughs> but, you know? I feel like there's different factors that go into if you're comfortable enough speaking. Mm-hmm. In- front of people um you know the teacher's receptiveness (laughs) is definitely one of them um you know how they what we're not dumb right so we see how they respond to other people um and can kind of anticipate how they're going to respond to you but I think a lot of it is also just you feeling comfortable yeah 
Um, and like when you said, I didn't feel comfortable. I'm out of my league. I've definitely felt that emotion before. And like looking back, it was a, it was a, it was an option course for like a creative arts program. Like none of this was like that deep or that serious. And I wish I could go back and tell my 18 year old self like this is not that serious. Like please calm down. Yeah. Because especially later, like the movies this this, this teacher chose for that class were the worst. Like it was such a rant. Like it was so random. It was supposed to be about like youth culture and just such a random such a random collection of movies. One of them was Spring Breakers uh, with Selena Gomez and um, Ashley, what's her name? Uh, Traumatizing movie for me at that that time. I'd never seen it before. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, you're used to watching like a certain kind of movie in class, whereas this is like full-blown explicit content, sexual content. You know, I'm like, okay, uh, Prude is going into full effect here. (laughs) Anyway, so that, like, I felt passionately about that movie and how it made me feel and what I, what I took away from it. So, like, that's when I felt confident enough to put up my hand and say, like, this is what I, th- this is what I think. So, at the time, the most, the deepest thought I could get out of that movie was, this doesn't paint a very uh, nice picture of women. So, that's what I put my hand in, and I said, and literally, the girl saying nice, not saying nice to me, she was, like, sitting across from me and she always, like, was the teacher's pet, put up her hand, whatever. She literally turned to me, she's like, you don't say Okay, I'm just going to shut up for the rest of the semester. Bye. And that yeah. was that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, well, back to Rory. I don't think, I mean, good for her, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. It seems a little, so we knew she was good. She, We knew she was a good student, obviously. Yeah. But she always struck me as the kind of person. So I don't think she was ever the kind of person to be scared to speak in public. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, she did debate and she went, um, she was vice president, had to make a bunch of speeches. You know what I mean? So I don't think it was necessarily a shy thing. No. Whereas if, if forget it, if you told me that I had to do oral presentations, I was like, I'm dropping you. Literally. Um, literally. Even now I'm like, group project, bye. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think it was necessarily, um, you know, her being scared or shy or whatever, but you kind of got the feeling even in high school that she was like, I'm not going to say anything unless I'm called upon or unless I have to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's kind of nice now to see her doing it of her own volition. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe that's her just also realizing that college is a different game, you know? And I think Rory um, comes to terms with that realization a lot later. And this, at this point, I feel like I envy her confidence at this point. She goes into it like so open-minded, like yeah. confident. And it's like, they slow, like it slowly but surely jades her and knocks and like knocks her down. Whereas like, I went into it just anxious to begin with and was just like maintained a baseline of anxiety throughout the whole experience. Whereas she's like, okay, I'm good. I got this. Whereas I was like, okay, shaking. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> and um, I find that's a good attitude to have when you're going in. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I wish people knew, and if you're in college or about to go into college, I I can't stress this enough. People don't give a fuck the way you think they give a fuck. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It took me literally so many years to learn that. Like, well, embarrassing you. amount of years. <laughs> you know, that's why I'm, I know it's easier said, like, it's easier for me to tell you that, that people don't really give a fuck. But it's so true. People don't care. It's like, true. no one in 10 years is going to be like, remember that idiot who made that comment in film clothes? <laughs> Nobody 
cares? Nobody. Then, like, half the time you think you're saying something stupid, you're not. Because nothing I said in that film class was stupid. Exactly. It was my own personal insecurities and anxieties that were were convincing me of that. Yeah. I I just, if there's one thing you take away from this podcast in general, it's like, people don't care. They really don't. It's not all that, in your head. Yeah, it's not that deep. <laughs> not that deep. It's not that serious. Chances are they're going to get blackout drunk at a party next week and forget all about you. And their lives. <laughs> Clearly. But I'm, <laughs> it's just like, it's me reassuring you, literally nobody cares. Especially now in the pandemic era. like. Oh my God, now? You think people are thinking about you? Like, You're you screaming. know how, like, it was so strange. I mean, this happens to me every single new semester Every, every, no matter how old I get, I think it's just, as long as I'm going to be in school, I'm going to have this irrational anxiety of, I need to be perfect and appear perfect no matter what. And I have to, like, talk myself down off the same ledge every single time. But, like, it was so much, I'm not going to say worse, but it was just so much different starting, like, my first online semester last fall was, like, okay, well, I need, I need them to see, to see that I'm putting so much effort into this. Like, I need to... Like, prove not only to, not even the teacher, but it was, like, to prove to myself and to, like, whoever is listening is that, like, oh, I'm taking as as much notes as I can. Like, okay, that means I can sleep tonight. It's, like, that's on me. It's not on, you know, it's it's not about the teacher or the class. It's, like, it's, nobody cares. Like, it's, it's, if if you're doing all this work to a certain point, it's, like, who are you doing this work for? Like, it's really not that serious really isn't and especially I'm so glad you said like especially during a pandemic you think people are thinking about you right now no they're thinking about like how to stay safe they're thinking about getting tested they're thinking about vaccinations they're thinking about groceries like nobody is thinking about what you said on zoom (laughs) like go away (laughs) and that's why like I just don't like I I just can't like zoom zoom school is just no (laughs) zoom school yeah (laughs) zoom is the worst we've established that um, yeah, so kudos to Rory for kind of, like, powering through her classes. And also kudos to her for, as a freshman for taking a seminar class. Yeah, like, <laughs> I was going to say, literally, the first time I took a seminar class was the winter 2020 semester, which was cut short. So yeah, <laughs> I didn't say That's shit in that class. You caused the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> you willed something to happen so that you wouldn't have to sit in a seminar. Um, You know, it's funny you say that because for a very long time, uh, you know, my OCD had kind of convinced me of that. So nobody gives a shit. Jeffrey's OCD. Nope. And Um, it's it's ironic that, you know, mental illnesses like OCD can convince you that your thoughts and actions have such profound power. It's like, um, uh, I don't think your personal thoughts and opinions and actions have that much magical control over the world like you're not that important like no you're really not like you're not that special that you have that much power so in conclusion but also nobody cares and it's not that deep exactly and if you'd love to and if you'd love to read uh, a book all about the fact that nobody cares you should please buy um auntie donahue's essay collection called nobody cares because that's what the whole book is about so fitting <laughs> um Okay, moving on to Marty. Yes. We see Marty again. Naked guy. Naked guy, as Lorelai refers to him. We see Marty again. And I don't know about you, but during this Marty scene, I'm like, who the fuck are you? I feel like it's 
<laughs> like I said, I've seen, we've seen it so many times now, but um, at the time, I remember when I first watched it, I was like, oh, right, that's, is that, the, is that the naked guy? Am I supposed to care about him? But also, like, just the way he's talking to her and the way he's like, well, you saw me in an embarrassing situation. I feel like I can level the playing field. Like, do you know how to speak to people? Yeah, I know. Not very... like people in general. It was just, yeah, it was, it was very awkward. Yeah, it was all around, like, and I think that's maybe what they were going for. Like, everyone's still, freshmen are still kind of very awkward. They're still trying to find their footing. You know, Rory comes on feetsy pajamas because she missed breakfast. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's what they're trying to establish, that it's still very new, not just for Rory, but everyone around her as well. Yeah. So people are going to struggle. But I was just like, go away. <laughs> um, I mean, like I said earlier, I don't think I would ever be caught dead living in a dorm, but I wouldn't think I'd ever be caught dead going to the breakfast hall in my slippers and pajamas. Like, oh, it would, to, to me, if I woke up at, f- like, five minutes until breakfast is done, I'm like, looks like I'm going to buy breakfast somewhere else. Like Yeah, like, or I'll eat a Powerball, like, Powerball. Power bar, like cat in fucking fan fiction. What's it called? Um, Fangirl. Fangirl. And, like, fuck it, we'll wait till lunch. Honestly, I love going off topic, but that's what I love. So that was what I loved a, the most about that book. The first time I read it was because just the like, how relatable is it that you decide to sit in your room and live off of granola bars? Because finding a finding the cafeteria and learning to navigate the cafeteria is too stressful. I'm like that oh, was me five years was, ago. I could relate to that so much because if I don't know where something is not happening <laughs> i don't care how fat i am i'd rather starve <laughs> like if you don't hold me like if you don't do what reagan did and like literally take me there and tell me exactly what the process is like pick up your tray here put like you know if you don't walk me through it step by step i'll starve to death i don't care and it's funny because looking back in that equation i feel like i'm more reagan now whereas at the time I'm, i was calf but now i'm just I've just grown so much emotionally. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like some days I'm a Reagan, some days I'm a cat. Whatever. Yeah, it goes. It comes in waves. Like I can say now I feel like I'm a Reagan, but tomorrow I'll be like, no, it's not happening. Exactly. <laughs> um. Okay. So Rory gets asked out and then declines the date and then asks the guy out. Honestly, the first the my first impression of when she quote unquote declined the date, I thought, I honestly thought she didn't know that she was being asked out. But to me in the moment, I'm like, she, she knows that he's asking her out. Right. And then it becomes clear later. Yeah. Like you doubted yourself. Is she, is she actually just socially awkward or does she know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I think she knew, but I think, I don't want to keep bringing up Jess because it gives you like, it fuels your passion for him. Oh, you don't need to fuel it. It's already there. It's very okay. much alive. <laughs> well, I feel like I, I always give you permission every time I bring up Jess. Um, I, think this is the first, I think this is the first time we've, re- we've referenced his name this season, though, so please no, go ahead. No, it's not. We referenced it literally last week. Where the fuck is your head? Did we? See, I'm just, I think of him all the time, though, so it doesn't really matter. Anyway, continue. Anyways, I feel like she's still very much awkward because... I don't know. Like Lorelai said, I think dating in college is a different ballgame. Mm-hmm. And her last relationship ended so abruptly that I think it's literally not on her mind. Like, I think she definitely knew she was being asked out, but she's like, fuck that shit. 
You know what I mean? I don't think it was influenced in any way necessarily by how her last relationship ended. I think it was I think it was more what Lorelai said of how she's never dated. It's just been two straight two straight relationships, n- not really any courting. Court like not any there was no like necessarily uh what am I trying to say? Like there was no um period of time where like she needed to be won over shall we say like even when Jess was like in love with her she was with Dean and it wasn't you know what I mean like it was just this stupid teen drama it wasn't like real dating yeah I would okay well I would also argue that they kind of dated well they did things that would they did the getting to know you dating part of it while she was still kind of with Dean Mm-hmm. but like it was just it was like teen puppy love it wasn't the same yeah, thing yeah no Listen, I completely agree, and I and I definitely agree with what Lorelai was saying. Like, she was always just in relationships, and she never really, like you said, got courted. Mm-hmm. But I think at the same time, I, not that it influences her decision, but I think for her now in college and, like, you know, still trying to navigate what it means to be a quasi-adult and living away from home, mm-hmm. I don't think guys are on the forefront of her mind right now. Yeah. So I think somebody asking her out like that, fine. Maybe it's not Jess himself. Like, obviously, she's not like, do you see his face? Like, with Luke. But <laughs> I definitely think it's still, like, she's she's saying to herself, I just did that shit. I'm not doing that right now. Yeah. Like, I'm in a new phase of my life, and I don't really want to have to deal with boys and drama and whatever. And that's why I like the first time around that's what I liked most about season four it was just like the all of the all of like the boy problems that plagued one two and three were just not important in season four even though Jess does does you know show his face again and Dean is obviously a player in the later episodes of season four which we'll get to which we'll get to um Just, but I, what I liked most about this part of season four was that it's, it was just about her and her personal development. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and that's why I was kind of upset, like that five episodes in, or if you think about it, even two episodes in, because Mm -hmm. she does see naked guy in the second episode. Yeah. That they're already kind of pushing this narrative of she needs a boyfriend. Not she needs a boyfriend, but there's, they're already introducing potential guy friends, you know? Where, where they have the audience questioning, will they, won't they? See, yes. Like, ob- yes, obviously, um, by introducing male characters that she interacts with, it's like, a, it's a given that the audience is going to quite, like, obviously start saying, will they, won't they? Um, but I wouldn't say necessarily at this point Maybe that the writers were thinking, like, oh, is this her next boyfriend? Is this, like, I feel like at this point it was literally all, it was in, all that was intended was her to date around and not be, like, not be nailed down to one specific person or place. You know no. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I think as the season goes on, that definitely becomes more clear that we're not dealing with a new love interest. Mm-hmm. Um, the focus of the season is definitely more on, you know, her new environment. But I do think that, especially with a show like this, where we haven't really had a moment where we've had single Rory. Yeah. I think they know exactly what they're doing by introducing a reoccurring male character. 
Who she's seen naked, by the way. Uh, yeah, uh, that's what I mean. Like, obviously, the way that Marty was introduced, like, that's clearly a sign for the audience of, like, ooh, what, like, where could this go? And even, and even Lorelai says, like, oh, it's because naked, naked guy's hot. Like, obviously, yeah. the material is there. I think it's just... I think it's just ba- I think it's just meant as at this point is meant as harmless banter. Yeah. That the that the audience can do with what they will. Yeah. No, I I I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Um. But so I understand Lorelai's point of view as well, where she's like, you know, college is about college is all about dating. You know, like you have to kind of date. And but my issue was more the fact that she was talking about relationships versus dating. Mm-hmm. So. Don't people date to eventually find a relationship? Um, like, isn't that the goal of dating? Is that a genuine? Is that a genuine question? No, but I mean, like, my my issue is it with it was more like Lorelai Lorelai's telling her, it's as if she's telling her it's a bad thing, not a bad thing, but you know what I mean, like, it's as if she's telling her that there's something wrong with the fact that she's always jumped into relationships, and she's like, try something new, just date for a bit. And I understand the importance of dating, you know, kind of getting to know the person before you jump into whatever it is you're going to jump into with them. But isn't the point of dating to find somebody that you want to jump into something with? Not not necessarily. Huh. Like, um, I would kind of disagree a little. I would say that I think the, where Lorelai is coming from is the position of a parent who saw her daughter be into more or less long-term relationships as a teenager. And I think teenage relationships, at least on the WB in the 2000s, were a different kind of relationship than ones that people had in their late teens, early 20s. So I think what Lorelai is now suggesting that she's kind of a free agent, she's in college, she's becoming an adult, like emerging adulthood, as they call it. That's what my therapist tells me. It's emerging emerging adulthood, 18 to 25. Oh, um, so she's in that stage. And I feel like what Laura, I feel, I feel like Laura is trying to take advantage of that stage of life. And she's saying like, no, just, just date around. You don't have to be like, you don't always have to be thinking like, where is this going? Because she, because I think Laura saw where Rory's mind was like, oh, he's going to Barcelona next year. And she's like, hey, so what? He's here now. Go like, go to the movies. And like, you're not going to, it doesn't mean you have to fall in love with him. Like, if, no, okay. if it comes so, down, you like him and you date him and he's going away next year. Like, you deal with that when it comes. Like, cross that bridge when you come to it, you know? Like, okay, so I get that. But then I would also like to bring up, and I know we're jumping way ahead. Mm-hmm. My issue with this was that in season five, when Rory goes on multiple dates, Lorelai's mm-hmm. pissed because she's like, well, Laura, Rory decided that she's dating girl now. And it's like, bitch, you literally encouraged her to be dating girl. That's true. <laughs> so I think that's what popped into my mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, pick a lane, Lorelai. Do you want her to date or don't you? I mean, you're the one who always says we have to, like, analyze what we have in front of us and not to. Well, how dare you use my words against me? <laughs> you're the one who's like, I try to watch as if I don't know what's coming next. Blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> okay, so then, so then, if we're strictly watching with we don't know what's coming next, then I, mean, I that's think, not how I watch. That's how you said you watch. Okay, so let me let me watch with we don't know what's coming next. Yes. Um, I still don't think that's very Rory. That's like a very Rory behavior. No, it's not. And I think what, but I think what Lorelai's where Laura is coming from is as a parent, as a mother, she's saying like try something outside of your comfort zone, just go on yeah, a date. Yeah. 
and don't well, be preoccupied that, with where it's going. I understand that completely, and I think it's not a bad thing to want to do that. No, because I don't think I think I kind of disagree with you when you say like the only purpose of dating is to find someone. Like yeah. I think, depending on the context, like go on a date, like just for the sake of going on a date, you like could be like, oh yeah, okay, he's cute, whatever. Let's see where it goes. That's not what I personally. I don't see myself. Maybe some in a post-pandemic reality. Not yeah, right I don't know now. if we're ever gonna date. <laughs> <laughs> but like I could I the version of dating that is most ideal in my head is like okay yeah like you're cute I'm I see I see some kind of connection with you not sure what the not sure how strong the connection is let's go out and let, let's go out and see where it is like see where it's it's going well exactly okay. the point is let's see where it's going yes the and the ultimate end goal is to quote unquote find someone but I'm saying like not every date in my opinion and I a bunch of people will disagree with me, but in my opinion, I don't think the purpose of every single date is to is fi- is find the one. Like I understand, so I understand some, some some people date that way, but I think that's not what Lorelai is proposing. Lorelai is proposing, okay, uh, someone asked you out, just go for it right, and not be preoccupied of where is this going. Like just no, go no. and see what happens. I get that logic too. Like I completely understand, but I think it's just if you know Rory and even Lorelai to some extent, because Rory points out that she's only ever had relationships too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think yes it's okay to step outside of your comfort zone but mm-hmm. we also talked about last time like knowing your own limits yes and so I'm not mad that she went on the date as disastrous as it turned out to be which we'll get into but I just think um, you know she went to her mother's house and she's like he kind of asked me out and then she again she kind of had to push her to do it yeah and so I think that's more what I have a problem with. Because like we said last time, you have to know your limits. And again, I think it was entirely her decision, right? I think she was ultimately like, you know what? Like mom said, it's not going to hurt. Um, but I think there's a reason she doesn't do it again. <laughs> yeah, obvious. Well, okay, I kind of disagree again. Because it's not like she's forcing her. It's not like Lorelai forced her to go out with someone she didn't like or didn't want to go out with she's kind of like she's no but she's kind of like giving her the push to like just try something new and I'm saying from a parent's perspective I can see why she would do that and I can see why a you try you don't do it you obviously don't you don't do it again I'm thinking in the context of dating I don't think Roy knows what her comfort zone is because her two relationships were like one was teen puppy love and the other was Jess and that's (laughs) there's no way to describe that um no, but I so, think once she went out on the date, she knows what her comfort zone is. Yeah, and obviously it was awkward and uncomfortable when you're when he sits next to her on the same side of the table. Like, okay, that nobody on the other side. That's not how, that's so not how the date rage. works. I have so much rage. <laughs> like, who wants to talk to you by craning her neck? Yes, but like in on? terms in terms of what you said about like Rory knowing her limits, I don't think it's like I don't think it's that deep shall I say like I just don't think it's that serious like I think she's just okay I'll go on a date didn't it was it was fine I will you see him again probably not like I feel like there's nothing wrong with casual dating in this context I don't think it's as serious as that's not Rory's forte and that's not what you know it's not her strong suit well it's like Rory's 18 what the hell does she know about strong suits I still think that she knows obviously she does but I'm saying like there's no harm in going out on a one date with one person one time. I didn't say there was harm in it. 
But you're not, making it sound like Lorelai pushed her to go out with a guy who like was disgusting and oh I'm just doing it because my mom didn't told me say to. She pushed her. I said, listen to my words. I said, uh, as parents do sometimes, they push you out of your comfort zone, right? Yes, that's what she did. Okay, and Laura and Rory even said, you know, probably no. She 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 quasi asked him out, so obviously she was taking her mother's advice. Mm-hmm. But I think. There's still a part of you that has to listen to your gut and know when something isn't for you. And that's why I say that I don't think she does that again in season four because she realized it wasn't for her. Okay, well, I have another counter argument to that. Go ahead. Um, how does this episode end? She asks out the guy in the laundry room and he turns her down. So she's trying. So clearly she, she's trying to put herself out there in the way that her mother suggests. So you can't say that she went on the date, thought it was horrible, not for her, never did it again. No, no. So, no, no. So you ask somebody out again in the same episode. Okay. Oh, counter argument to your counter argument. Retittle your rebuttal. Mm. Does she do anything else after that? No, but she's still trying in the same episode. It's not like she went out. It's not like she went out on that date with that guy, and then was so horrible, so traumatized that she never ever considered doing it again. She did it again in the same episode, and then it was the rejection that made her not do it again. Okay. It, was not, it was not the date that her mother made her go on or suggested she go on. Okay. First of all, <laughs> getting very intense, as the okay. review said. <laughs> this, <laughs> is where, this is where Elizabeth Hasbeck says, defend your own insinuations. Listen, you little shit. Defend your own thoughts. I'm defending them. I like facts. <laughs> oh, my God. And get over how shitty that person is. Okay. Um... <laughs> We're, if we start talking about the view, we're never going to get out of this episode. <laughs> Must be um, argue with Donald Trump, right? Because he's obnoxious. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think that, yes, the date was the first step. And then the rejection was the fact that the rejection made her be like, yo, this is not for me. Yes. Um, because let's talk about that rejection. That was so fucking awkward. It was awkward. And also, can I interject something? Sure. The laundry room Wait, guy is, is the laundry room guy is really cute. Okay. <laughs> and honestly, the the longer we're talking about this, because I wrote that in my notes, um, the first time that I watched, or the one of the first few times that I watched this episode, um, I and not knowing what was coming next later, because we see laundry room guy again. Mm-hmm. Um, not knowing what's coming next, a part of me thought maybe he maybe he said no because you know he's gay. And I'm like that. Please, can we do, can we explore that storyline? No. That worked with your fantasy. <laughs> with my fantasy, yes, it did. But that's not her fantasy. <laughs> as, as Valentina would say, that is not in line with my fantasy. <laughs> yeah. So um, honestly, I don't blame her for kind of like giving up after that because the, um, I think a a rejection like that. Mm-hmm. For somebody who is not necessarily shy, but for someone who's already a little bit um, withdrawn sometimes. Yeah. That would also kind of make me go like, never speaking again. Yes, no, for sure. Like, I think it was that rejection that made her shy away from casual dating. But it was not the date earlier in the episode. I would say it's both, but anyways. Let's a move. little bit of both, but, like, clearly she still had a little bit of confidence left over after that date to try it again. You made it sound like it was that one date that went terribly, and she's never doing it again. Like, that was not the case. Listen, I think that if it had just been the rejection, she would have probably tried again. Mm-hmm. 
I think it was the combination of the terrible date where she starts talking about urine mints. I was going to say urine mints. And the guy fucking feels the made up draft. And you know what I mean? Like, I think it's the combination of both where she's like, this is clearly not for me. I knew why I rejected him the first time. Ciao. Yeah. But let's agree to disagree because we have other things to talk about. Okay, let's move on. Last thing I want to talk about is Lorelai and why she's such a fucking baby. <laughs> so Lorelai hires a designer yes. who she finds out once worked with her mother. Uh-huh. And because this designer once worked with her mother, the world should end and the earth should open up and swallow everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you surprised? Are you fucked? I mean, but are you surprised? <laughs> no, I'm not surprised, but I'm actually am a little bit. <laughs> like, you think that Lorelai's grown and then she hasn't. But I do have to say that um, Lorelai's immaturity and Emily's pettiness is just, like, 100% in this episode. Like, gives me life. Especially yeah. when, especially when she's da- especially when she's dancing in the car, and Emily comes and scares her. That's one of the best scenes in the entire series, in my opinion. Yeah, but so. Mm. It's, I know, I know. It's it's aggravating. It it, it enrages you, etc. I'm just saying it's entertaining and it, it it's very on par and on brand. Yeah, no, the scene, no doubt, is entertaining. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you would you like this person's designs. Yeah. You think she has great ideas. Mm-hmm. And then because she did your mother's bathroom, at one point, you're going to fire her. And so here's where I have a problem, because all through this season and then even before, um, you know, with the independence in, Lorelai is always telling Suki that it's about business. We're going to be making our own money. We have to put stupid decisions aside, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Why? Why can you turn around and say that to Suki, but then the next episode be a complete baby? I mean, like I said, that's pretty on brand for Lorelai. Yeah, she, but she, I feel like this season is too much now. And she always eats her words, especially in that in that sense. And, like, I don't blame Emily for being upset. Not upset. But I don't blame her for being like, are you fucked? <laughs> like, because it was, it was the society version of, like, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Like, seriously? Oh, my God. It was just... I I feel like the episode was ruined for me because of this. It is aggravating, and it's also... It's, like, I don't know. For me, I'm just like, yeah, sounds about right, because... Oh, yeah, it's very on brand. Yeah, but it's also just, like... Especially with someone like a designer, like, you don't... You don't know how... I mean, like, the, she does say, you know, I did her bath, I did her bathroom, whatever, and that's that. We're not, I haven't had contact with her in however many months or years or a year or something, whatever she says. Um, it's, it's made clear that, like, she, it's, they're not close. Like, she didn't stay close with Emily after she worked for, worked for her. Mm-hmm. But, like, from Lorelai's perspective, I can see, like, okay, but how do I know that? And I, again, I get it's like, it's just petty, immature nonsense but um honestly it's crazy paranoia though yeah it's crazy paranoia but it's like Like not everyone is out to get you but but we've seen how emily gilmore works so like i wouldn't i'm saying that if lorelei decided this one time okay i'm gonna let my guard down doesn't matter you work for my mother i like your work etc we're gonna work together blah like i feel like 
Emily would either get pissed that Lorelai didn't tell her, like, oh, you're working with someone that I know. And then this whole this whole saga would would ensue the same in a similar way. Or she tells her and then Emily gets too involved trying to, like, insert herself in the in the design process, the decision making process, and it all blows up and the same saga ensues. So I feel like no matter what happens, no matter what, no matter what Lorelai would have done either which way she chose, the same drama between her and her mother would have happened. Yeah, but I'm sorry. I feel like we're giving Lorelai too much credit here. Because the same drama would have happened, yeah, because of her. Yeah, no, exactly. Like I'm saying... Because I think <laughs> yeah. we, we don't give Emily, and as, as annoying as Emily can be and as imposing as she can be, which we've said it time and time again, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone, um, you know, I, I think we can all agree... Um, I think what Lorelai fails to realize a lot of the time is that what her mother does, she does for Lorelai's own good yes. and not for her own good. Like, I know, but I know you, but I know I'm doing this for your own good. No, I think she genuinely wants to help. So like, yeah. I think back to the episode with the bank loan. I was going to say that that's, that's exactly what I was thinking of. You know, like we also talked about at length in that episode of the podcast about how swallow your pride kind of thing you don't have any more options Mm -hmm. this is not even close to that it's not like a crisis situation so i don't understand how this person working with your mother one time can make you spiral to the point where like i'm firing her i'm firing her yeah i know like it should be about the design like you're opening your own in you have a limited amount of money this girl's like we can get everything for cheaper don't worry you like all her ideas Mm-hmm. you're not even making these decisions alone by the way because you're in business with somebody else who also likes these ideas yeah and you're like nope nah. <laughs> i feel like it would have been such a gratifying experience if suki had said okay well fuck your immaturity and your pettiness we're sticking with natalie that's her name yeah natalie. um <laughs> we're sticking with natalie because i like her let's say Michelle likes her, like everybody likes her, but you, you're the one who has this ridiculous, irrational problem with her and you have to get over it. And that's that. Like, I feel like that's what Lorelai would have needed to set her straight. But Suki is just a bit of a wet noodle in that department. Yeah. Oh my God. Wet noodle is the perfect way to describe Suki. <laughs> <sighs> I just like this episode. Listen, I've seen this show. Who knows how many times I always know what's going to happen. Obviously I know how Lorelai is. You know, Lorelai's character down to the T. I get it. But mm-hmm. it's still so frustrating when these ep- when episodes like this come around. Mm-hmm. Where you make things out to be so much worse in your head than they're going to be. Like, yeah. even when Natalie tells her, like, I did, not tell, I did not tell Emily that Suki was pregnant. You know? Yeah. She's like, oh, it's going to be a problem for me if you're, like, in cahoots with my mother and you keep reporting back. Like, nobody's reporting. It's not a CIA mission. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> And then I feel bad for the poor designer because she's stuck between these two nutcases. I know. Who are like, I'm not working with her. Well, I'm not working with her, so you better fire her. But like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, so frustrating. I feel like I've just I'm. This is where you would say that. Oh, I'm zen. I don't care. It's like I feel like I've seen that this season and um, I'm like just I've seen. Emily and Lorelai's like rapport so many times now and experience and analyze it for the podcast enough times it's like yeah sounds about right yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm having a bad week. <laughs> no, I understand. No, I understand why it's 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 annoying, especially because the scene where Lorelai says like, "Oh well, she's perfect. She's this. She's that," and I'm firing her. It's like seriously, like grow up. Exactly. How many how many episodes have we spent saying Lorelai grow up? <laughs> I know, and it's crazy to me. Like as much as you always tell Suki that it's it's about business. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me, like when the time comes for you to put your business before all else. Yeah. Like. Mm-mm. I'm going to be a petty Betty. <laughs> petty Betty. There's your episode title. There you go. <laughs> Everybody's a petty Betty. Oh, anyway, it's just so frustrating. But, you know, that's that's the way it is. So I have a few other uh, tidbits to bring up in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, one being I wrote one word down as a point in my notes, and it was Colgate. Oh, God. Um, cause I'm sorry, I don't care how old you are or now you're having a baby. Don't name it your child Colgate. Cause people just, people are just going to think you named it after the toothpaste. So that's not a name. I was going to ask you that. I'm like, is that, was Colgate a name? Is that where the brand of the toothpaste came from? Was named I have after no somewhere? idea, but it's not a name. <laughs> I'm making like, an executive decision. Like grandma Colgate. Mm. No, no. <laughs> You know there are certain names that somebody has to grow into? Mm-hmm. Like, I know it sucks to say, but you know when you, like, think of certain names and you're like, that's a 90-year-old woman? Yeah. And you forget that this 90-year-old woman was once a two-year-old girl? Yeah. So, like, Ethel, Ruth, you know, like, all those names. Henrietta. Imogen, like, all this shit. Imogen. <laughs> you know, so I'm just, like, logically in my head, I know that these humans were once tiny. They yeah. didn't come out of the womb 90-year-olds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's just, oh, don't name your children certain things. And I think as much as, um, like, as shitty as Colgate is, mm-hmm. all of Suki and Jackson's baby names are fucking terrible. Oh, 100%. Oh, and by the way, I'm looking it up now. Colgate is a boy's name. <laughs> And the meaning of Colgate is dark gate. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that clears everything up. Thanks. So shitty. Oh, my God. Colgate. <laughs> Even Davy is terrible. Yeah, it's not. Like David, maybe? It, yeah, David's fine. Davy is a bit... Eh. Like, it's... Mm. No offense if you're listening, your name's Davy. We, it's not personal. But even... <laughs> Do you remember, again, we're jumping way ahead. Do you remember when Suki has her third kid? And because it's going to be hopefully their last kid, they put all the middle names in there? Yeah. Do you remember that one of the names was fucking Glenda? Yes. Glenda, guys. <laughs> and all that, all I think of is not, it's not even the right name, but I think when you ever just say Glenda, I'm like, Glenda, the Witch of the North. Yeah, well, who knows? Glenda. <laughs> fucking Glenda. And even even their daughter's name, Martha. Yeah, that's a bit. Are you serious? Martha. I'm going to look up what Martha means now because. Even Martha's a bit like old fashioned. We're on crack. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> by the way, Martha means the mistress. Oh, okay. That's more interesting than Colgate. Colgate is not a name. <laughs> Glenda. You can call him Collie or Cole. No, Cole. Cole. 
Polly is a dog. It's not a name. It's not a name. You know when you look at certain people and you're like, you should not be allowed to name things? Yeah. Like, you can get a turtle. You cannot have a baby. Yeah, exactly. Like, Suki and Jackson should not be allowed to have children. Or name anything. No. I wouldn't even name a plant Colgate. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't you kind of want to do it now just as a tribute to the show? No. 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 I didn't think so. Um, I have two other questions for you. Tell me. So, first, have you seen any of the movies that Luke hasn't? And yes, of do you watch people watch movies? Um, okay, so I feel like okay, so yeah, number one, yes, I've seen most of the movies that Lorelai was talking about, except for Hard Bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, because it doesn't interest me. And I feel like it's kind of a movie that's problematic now. Yeah, and then you um, you say you used to say you said uh, you used to watch old movies with your dad, right? Yeah, and so I've seen Casablanca, I've seen His Girl Friday, I've seen can I remember the other ones? But I've seen most of them that she said. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like old movies. Um, a lot of them are still problematic, but who knows? Who cares? Whatever. Um, and do I watch people watching movies? Sometimes yes. So, like Lorelai, you know when something big is going to happen, you're like, oh, I want to see this person's reaction? Yeah. Um, because I don't know why. I think a lot of people are like this, but correct me if I'm wrong. I think if you're the one picking the movie, you kind of want validation that you picked the right movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that people are enjoying it, and they're not going to be like, eh, whatever. You're like, no, damn it, like it. You know what <laughs> I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of do that with my mom a lot. Because with my mom, I don't mind rewatching movies. Mm-hmm. My brother and my sister-in-law will actually get mad at me if I say, "Oh, I don't. I've seen it, but I don't mind watching it." Why? I don't know. They're fucking weird. Um, like I, I literally do not mind watching movies that I've already seen. If I liked it, I don't care. I'll watch it again. Yeah. No. Like if, for me, it's like if I like it enough to see it again, it's like it's added to my to my rotation of movies that I rewatch on the regular. <laughs> like. Yeah. But whenever I whenever we pick a movie all three of us well which we haven't done in a very long time because of the pandemic but um yeah they're like well have you seen it and if i tell them yeah god forbid i say yes they're like well we can't watch it i'm like guys it doesn't bother me so sometimes i have to lie i'm like oh no i've heard things (laughs) like i (laughs) like i'm not i'm also not the kind of person who loves only watching new movies all the time like if i feel like sitting down and watching a movie nine times out of ten it's gonna I'm, i'm in the mood to watch something i know yeah, I'm, um, I honestly don't care. I want people to understand that if I'm telling you I don't mind watching it again, I'm sincere. Yeah, no, me too. That means that there was something within the movie that was like, yeah, I'll watch it again. And people, I think this is what my, my brother and my sister-in-law don't understand. Sometimes I will rewatch movies on my own. <laughs> like, I'm not just doing it as a favor to you. Are they also the kind of people who like don't understand the inclination to want to watch a movie more than once yes okay. um my brother yes but not my sister <laughs> okay because my dad's like that he like he makes especially all last year when me and my mom were just watching like comfort food movies all the time because you know we had to um like he would just make fun of us all the time because we just watch the same movies on a loop pretty much and like i'm not going to say the same ones over and over again necessarily all the time but there's a few like a handful of movies that like are movies that me and my mom watch regularly every so often yeah 
Um, and he always just makes fun of us for it. And he has no leg to stand on because he sits and he watches YouTube on our television. And it's like hillbillies in their backyards kneeling wood to. That's what I was going to say. Your dad. I'm like, Cliff has nothing. Yeah. Like no leg to stand on. Because Cliff has once told me that he spent hours just watching YouTube videos of people drilling shit. So. Exactly. So you agree. I'm going to have Flick phone you in the next time uh, he's bitching at us because no this all the time and like he's always been like that in terms of i think it's just in a, in a pre, just a preference too but he's always been like that in terms of he doesn't love watching movies more than once whereas like for me i'm that's just how i watch movies especially mm-hmm. with especially with ones i love like it's almost like especially now that i've as i've grown up like i don't know how to watch tv in the in the evening unless, unless it's a movie so it's like i have to convince myself sometimes it's okay if we don't watch a movie tonight because otherwise i'm like I always have to be watching something, and more more times than not, it's something I've seen a thousand times. So yeah, but I, I think that's what people don't get either is that sometimes you just want to watch something that you know how it ends. Yeah. There's no drama. Like I just want to watch this because it's like a warm bowl of soup. I have, I have anxiety, bitch. Like leave me be. <laughs> Seriously, but you know, no, my sister-in-law is more like that. She'll watch if she likes it. She'll watch it again. Uh, my brother is just very much like, oh, what's the point? You already know what happens. I mean, maybe it's a, it's a straight man thing. I want to throw a violin at his head. <laughs> a violin at his head. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, why I said violin. We don't own a violin. Nobody I know plays the violin. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, anything else for this episode? Um, I have some quotes I wanted to share that resonated with me. One of which reminds me of you. Oh. Um, in the in the scene where Michelle comes into Luke's with the information that Lorelai asked for. And he says, oh, great. I love doing research for the sake of doing research with a sarcastic uh, tone. That mm-hmm. reminded me of you doing research for the sake of doing research for doctors who don't give a shit. Mamma um, mia. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I'm going to tell you guys a story just because you said that. I had a doctor, like, send me on a wild goose chase for FDA regulations. <laughs> And I was trying to explain to her that those don't exist. Yeah. Like, what she wants does not exist. Because the FDA, like, approves medicines and foods and, like, consumer products. Yeah. To consume, I mean. Like, literally consume with your mouth. Um, But it doesn't, it's not like a governing body that can tell doctors what to do. Yeah. So I literally had to explain to her that the what you want does not exist. <laughs> and she's like... I want them. <laughs> and I'm like, but they don't exist. <laughs> so literally it was me. It was me like, okay, maybe it's me. Maybe they do exist and I'm just being a dick. No, they don't exist. Um, and it could, like she could not comprehend. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sometimes I do research for the sake of doing research. That you, get, you, you get a lot of people in your line of work who just are special that way yeah i i get a lot of people that don't understand the way the research process works (laughs) and that come to me and they're like so if they wanted research on a certain drug let's say Mm -hmm. um they'll come to me and they'll be like so we're looking at arthritis and these drugs i'm like perfect like let me go like let me go look see what we come up with you know Mm mm-hmm and then they'll email me back when I send them the results, and they're like, um, we wanted arthritis in this drug, but you gave us arth- some of the results are arthritis in this drug. 
And I'm like, yeah, because the search process is not perfect. <laughs> and because sometimes one, like they mentioned both drugs, you know what I mean? So I get a lot of, I have to do a lot of handholding in my line of work Yeah. with people who really don't understand. And sometimes it's great. It's a teaching moment. Sometimes I just want to throw a violin at your head. Yeah. Um, but I can definitely understand Michelle's um, sarcastic comment there. <laughs> and bitterness, as always. Um, the last quote I have from this episode was one that resonates with us, obviously. When Lorelai says, you've seen Grey Gardens, it could go on forever. And uh, I, feel like, I feel like that's our podcast. It's like a bit of Grey Gardens, a bit of Gilmore Girls, and it goes on forever. It's Grey Gardens sans the cats. <laughs> sans the cats, and not the uh, condemned house that's falling apart and full of hoarding. And ho- I don't know. My apartment seems pretty condemned right now. <laughs> Okay. Um, we've seen the pictures of Grey Gardens. We're good. I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, that um, personality-wise, I feel like we're we're almost at Grey Gardens levels. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I I think I might have told told you this before, um, but I made my mom watch the both my parents actually. I made them watch last year or two years ago now because it was pre-pandemic, you know. Um, it we I made them watch the Grey Gardens movie with Drew Barrymore and Jessica Lange. Mm-hmm. And after that, a few times I would call my mom Big Edie because she looked like she was acting neurotic or something. I'm like, come on, Big Edie. And she would get so upset. She's like, I am not like that. Don't ever imply that I'm like that. And like, <laughs> so now I don't say it anymore. But it's an, it's an unspoken inside joke. So like, um, would you say that like I'm Little Edie and you're Big Edie or, or vice versa? Oh, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I think we have both. I think we have both qualities of each in in in, in both of us. Yeah, I watched. I I introduced my mom to Grey Gardens over winter. Uh, I think at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. I believe. I'm not. Sure. No, it was when you came home for Labor Day. Yes, yes, you're right. Um, yeah. So we watched. It. it wasn't my first time watching it. So again, I was watching my mom watch it. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, I kept yelling at her. <laughs> And she's like, shut the fuck up. Because <laughs> she was, she was, it was one of those things where she was watching and she was very fascinated. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people don't realize this dark side of the Kennedy family. Yeah. Or Jackie's family, I should say. Um, because my mom is a big Kennedy aficionado, but she never really knew about this part of it. Mm-hmm. So she was just oddly fascinated, but also very disgusted. That's a, I think that's like everyone's reaction. Yeah, to I, yeah I have to agree. But, like, she, she she made me rewind at certain points because she was like, what the fuck? Like, it was just all around. So then when I started yelling at her in Edie's voice, she was like, just, no. It's giving me, like, it's, no. <laughs> she was like, I can't think about that right now. And every once in a while, I'll still call her over FaceTime and be like, Edie! <laughs> Did you feed the cats, Edie? I think I think Mary and Deborah need, need to join a support group for being our mothers. Just like they have to they have to figure out a way together how to deal with us. <laughs> Your mom and my mom have only met once, actually. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. But I feel like they would hit it off after a couple <laughs> of or beers, whatever. Jeffrey, where can they find us? Um, they can follow us on Instagram at Gilmore Girls Podcast, uh, on Twitters at Gilmore Podcast, and if you want to email us, you can do so, gilmorepodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to uh, leave us a review telling us we're intense, don't bother, because we've already got that review. 
Yes, we got that review. We also got um, a long ass novella about novella. all lives all lives matter pretty much. Uh, I think it was less about our podcast and more about their views on racism in America, which was very very enlightening. Um, you know, it's just just another day, just another day of the internet. Um, do we have a bracket update for them? We do not. <laughs> do we do not? Just like canning the bracket or what? No, we're not canning it. I'm still compiling results. It'll be uh, round three soon. So. Okay, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Any new merch to promote? Uh, we still have our Emily merch. We still have our keychains. We still have Team Logan merch. So whatever you want to buy, it's all there. Do not feel obligated. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if you want to spend money, please do. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're definitely the type of person that would buy a Jess Mariano keychain. Um, yes, but also you're supposed to be saving me these and sending them to me free of charge. I have one for you. Relax. Okay. And Emily, too, please. Thanks. Okay, so, oh. Thanks so much. Anything else? <laughs> my ATM like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I have some for you. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.